0: I haven't had the chance to meet you yet. My name is Brian. I'm a teaching pastor here at Fusion, and I have the, the privilege most weeks to, to, to get up here, and we'll open the Bible, and we'll, we'll read a little bit together and find out what it is that we believe God has in store for us. And so if this is your first time with us today, we're certainly glad that you're here, and you picked a great week to come because we're starting a brand new series today called The Struggle is Real. How many people know that to be True. Right, well, We got some first world problems, don't we? Like, but, this, but, the, but even in our first world problems, the struggle is real, especially as it pertains to relationships. Now, when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? Like if, if Jesus, if you had to pick one thing, and then there were some, some guys asking him this question, what would you say is the most important thing? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But there's another thing that's almost important as the most important thing. And the other thing that's almost important as the most important thing is to love other people. Love God, that's number one. But close second is to love people. I don't know about you, but there's some days I don't love people very much. I kind of just wish everybody else would disappear. Just, and a matter of fact, sometimes, and this, y- y'all have to, Jesus is still working on me, okay? So, moment of transparency. There, there, are some, there are some days and some moments where I will look at my wife whom I love dearly. Or I will look at my children who are my legacy and whom I love with all of my heart and with all the sincerity in my heart. I will say to them, Go away. Just go away. Anybody else? All right, good. Just me. So, um, this would be therapy for me then, as, as we kind of walk through these scenarios today. But, but that's what this whole series is going to be about. Some of these things that Jesus said, the second most important thing, almost as important as loving God, is to love other people. But sometimes that's just not easy to do. And I'm telling you, the struggle. It's real. All right, so for the sake of brevity, I want, I want to start this morning with a couple of passages of Scripture. So if you have your Bibles or if you want to follow along with us on Version, you're welcome to do that. And we're also going to put the, the words from Scripture on the screen. We just we like to read the Bible at Fusion City, so we try to put it in as many places as we possibly can. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one so you can take it home and read it for yourself. But let's look together at a couple of passages today as we look into this idea of comparing ourselves with other people. Because let's just be honest. Uh, A lot of the times, the reason that the struggle is real is because we're looking at somebody else and they got it better than us and we struggle with that just a little bit. Hard to like somebody that's got it better than us sometimes. All right, so let's look at that together today. Hebrews chapter 12, let's read verses one and two. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us then strip off every weight, That slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Come on, that's good news right there, that for each and every one of us, that there is a race that is laid out in front of you, and it is God that has put it there and desires for you to run it. Let's look at verse 2. We do this run our race. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We're going to come back to that. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Now, now real quickly, just keep your finger in Hebrews 2. Actually, you don't even have to keep your finger there. We're going to preach primarily out of this other passage today, but uh, flip over with me to 1 Samuel First Samuel chapter 18. Now, we just finished a series um, before Easter where we kind of beat up on King Saul a little bit. And we gave him a break uh, for Easter last week. And we didn't talk about Saul last week. And now we're going to beat up on Saul again just a little bit today. So look with me. First Samuel chapter 18, verses 5 through 9. And it says, Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. Everybody liked David. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, y'all heard the story of David and Goliath? We'll talk a little bit about it in a minute. Women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. And this was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And this made Saul very angry. What's this? He said, and they credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king so from that time, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Now, now, as we see these two verses in parallel, we read in Hebrews chapter 12 that it says, in order for us to run our race, that, that the race that God has set before us and the things that God has called us to and the things that God desires for our life to accomplish as he ordains it, that the only way we can do that is when we keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates our faith. And we flip over and we look at Saul, and it says that Saul kept his eye on, not on Jesus, but on David. Now, how many of you know, it's really hard to run your race when you're constantly looking at the person beside of you? It's pretty hard to do, isn't it? Speaking of running, quick survey. How many of you would say, I I like to work out. Show of hands, just to be honest, this church, you can, okay, I like to work out. Awesome. There's some healthy people here this morning. That's good stuff. All right, now, how many of you otherwise would say, I I do not enjoy the working out process? Show of hands. All right, good. Now I have identified the people here today that I can preach to. Now, the first first group of you, raise your hands and says that you enjoy working out. You are officially dismissed. Like go, just go, you can leave. As a matter of fact, run home. I just just go. Now, for those of you who don't like to work out, these these are my people. I, I, I am theologically opposed to working out. I believe that calories are only the result of the fall of man. Like that's I believe that it was our first sin where calories entered into scripture. There were no gems. In Genesis, there were no ellipticals in Eden, all right? Uh, Adam had a six-pack, I believe, at biceps just like ripped up. Ladies, Eve, 0% body fat. Like, I mean, just everything was perfect. And some of you say, well, Brian, I, I, like, do, you, do you have a verse for that? I do. The Bible says that they were naked and they were unashamed. Come on, you know you don't walk around naked unless you got it going on. And here's what I've learned about working out. And I, I, I kind of there, there are parts of working out that I like. I like to I like to lift. Makes you feel manly. I pick up heavy things and I put them down. Like that's like I feel good about that. Like I it feels really manly to lift. But how many of you know if you're gonna get rid of the gut, you have to engage in this three-letter evil word called run like you got to do the cardio if you want to lose the weight I hate that run rhymes with fun there is nothing in this world fun about running I hate doing cardio I can't stand it I hate it so here's what I've developed now I'm not I've been out of the gym for a while I, I hit good spurts and bad maybe you some of you can relate and right now I'm in a bad sport I ain't been to the gym in a couple of months testimony time Um, but when I do go and I engage in this horrific thing called cardio I've developed a mechanism I've got a method that that allows me to participate in cardio because as much as I love to, to, to play sports I'm hyper competitive so here's what I figured out what I would do is I would try to pick the machine not away from other people but the machine directly beside somebody else anybody else Preferably a much older somebody else. And then when they're kind of looking away or whatever, I'll lean back to see what speed they're on, and then I will match my speed, and then I will say to myself, not out loud, but in my head, oh, it is on. They don't know that. Unbeknownst to them, we have just entered into competition, and all of a sudden now it's like the Olympics, and I'm hardcore all about it. So when they speed up, I speed up when, when they you know, go a little bit when they, they increase the resistance I increase my resistance if they take a break I take a break I, I you can't run while they're on a break that's cheating all right so uh, you have to keep it equal and then as soon as they get done and they get off of the machine I'll raise it up to the fastest speed I'll sprint just a little bit because you got to sprint to the finish and then I feel like a champion I wish I was lying to y'all <laughs> But that's how, that's how I do cardio. So just know if you're in the gym, hey, take it easy on a brother, all right, because just let me win because that's the only way that I can feel good and, and, and proud of myself. Now, it's funny when we're talking about working out, but it's a whole different scenario when we're talking about comparing ourselves to other people in life. Because here's what I know to be true about Comparison. And just, just another just moment of transparency. Here's what you've got to know about me. This has been a huge, huge thing for me in my life. Today, I'm preaching from a place of weakness. All right? this, I struggle with comparison all the time. Maybe some of you can relate. But here's what I've learned as it relates to comparison. A comparison is the number one destroyer of destiny. If you want to take some notes today and you want to follow along and write that down, you can. But comparison is the number one destroyer of destiny. And so I must ask you in this moment to, to do, a little, do a little work, right? We talked about this whole idea of preaching to ourselves. So let's preach to ourselves for a moment and, and, and ask this question. Who are you racing? Who, who are you racing? Who, it is in, who is it in your life that you keep your eyes on a little more than you do on your own Who who are you looking at and comparing yourself to? You see, comparison is a lot like poison. As a matter of fact, comparison is exactly what got the devil kicked out of heaven. Do you guys know that? He was created to be an instrument of God, to be used by God, for God. But he he became obsessed with with the, the beauty of God and wanting to be God so much that he couldn't in the function for which he was created, and that's exactly what got him expelled from heaven. And now his job is no longer to, to glorify God or to bring glory to God, but to steal, kill, and destroy, the Bible tells us. And he's the chief of comparison. He would love for you to compare yourself because he knows what that's all about. And comparison is it's poisonous. It just, it grates, it's like a cancer that just eats away from the inside out. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that that... Comparison is actually antithetical to wisdom. Look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. And Paul says, oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are comparing themselves with each other. Using themselves as the standard of measurement how Ignorant. Paul says, the only reason that you would compare yourself to somebody else is if you're dumb. That, that's stupid. Why why in the world would you choose that standard by, by by which to grade yourself or which to compare yourself? Don't don't compare yourself to other people. That's, that's the wrong standard. That's that's ineffective. That's not wise. Robert is a pretty well known pastor, speaker. Uh, He said this, he said, Comparison will consistently cloud the clarity of God's call on your life. Let me me hit you with that again. There's a lot of C's in there. Comparison will consistently cloud the clarity of God's call on your life. If you ever want to be confused about what it is that God has called you to, To do, start trying to figure out what he's called somebody else to do. Make no mistake about it, Christian, Christ follower, believer, Jesus person. There is a call on your life. Now typically when we talk about this idea of call, it it seems to, to sometimes get relegated to to pastors or ministers or church leaders and that kind of thing that they're said to be called. But here's the truth. For every believer, there is a call on your life, something specific that God wants you to do. And it may not be a ministry career. A career and a calling are two very different things. A career is what you get paid to do. A calling is what you were made to do so there is a calling on the life of every believer and a purpose for which God has designed you specifically. And we talked a lot about that in that last series and claiming those divine moments. But here's what you also have to know as it pertains to your calling. That God has already given you everything you need to fulfill the calling that he has given specifically to you. There is nothing that you need and don't have to accomplish exactly what it is that God has called you to do. But here's what we get. Here's what we're prone to do. We look at all the things that everybody else got and all the benefits that they've got and all the success that they've had and all the blessing or favor, all the things that God has given to them to accomplish their call. And here's what we do. Well, why didn't I get? Look what he got. Why didn't I get that? Like, like God, why? Why did you give it I minute? Mean, if you gave me what you gave to him, then I could accomplish everything you've called. Him to accomplish, but not what you call me to accomplish. You see the difference? Uh, Robert Madu, I, I didn't put this one on the screen, but he also he said this, and I thought it was awesome. He said, Stop complaining to the master about the pieces you didn't get, and start praising him that you're a masterpiece. See, God has uniquely and carefully designed each of us to accomplish something very specific. He has laid a race before each and every one of us, a race designed just for you. And the only way, the only, only, only single way that you and I can run our race effectively is if we keep our eyes not on what everybody else is doing and not on what everybody else has, but when we keep our eyes on Jesus. Do you know what you know what discontent or discontentment really says? It really says, God, you messed up. Right? Hey God, there's no way I can do that. You didn't give me what I, you see how we're blaming God in that scenario? And I've been there. God, if you would have only made me whatever, I could be whatever. If you want to write this down, you can. Here's a point of application. Jealousy or comparison. Jealousy is really just discontentment with God. It's ultimately telling God, hey, you, you, didn't, you didn't give me the right stuff. How many of you know that when you run your race, right? I'll run a little bit. We'll get some cardio in on stage. How many of you know when you run like this or when you run like this, that you're headed for a crash? Anybody, anybody else know that? I just, I've learned it the hard way. Saul, if you know much about the story of Saul, Saul had a terrible, terrible crash. He was called to be the first king of Israel. He was the first king of Israel. God, the Bible says that Saul looked like a king, said that he, he, had, he stood a head and taller than everybody else. The Bible says Saul was good-looking. Come on, y'all know, you know you're know good-looking when the Holy Word of God says you're good-looking. You, if the Bible says you're good-looking, can't nobody tell you you're ugly. Saul was strapping. He was, the, he was like the eye candy for all the ladies. Pa, he was, he was big-time. But what happened to Saul was he became more concerned about his position as king than he did with God's presence in his life. Saul became more concerned with being the king than focusing on the king of kings, the true king. And then meanwhile, we've got this little teenage boy out in the field somewhere And all he's doing is playing his harp and singing love songs to God. Just so obsessed, David was, with God's presence. And one day, David's out in the field watching the sheep, and he gets a text message from his dad. He says, hey, I need you to go down to the battlefield and take your brothers some ham and cheese sandwiches. And so David goes down to the battlefield, and he sees all these, the, the whole nation of Israel and their armies shaking in their boots because there's this giant out on the field that's taunting them. And then David walks up, and he's like, who is this Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I love David. He was gangster because that's Christian cussing, right? He's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Why, why ain't somebody not? knocking this fool out. And they're like, wait, wait, what you, mama said, knock him out. I'm gonna knock him out. Hey, hey, what do you get? So David said, what do you get for knocking him out? And they say, well, uh, you get to marry the king's daughter and then you ain't gotta pay taxes for the rest of your life. David said, hold my heart, hold on. Like, and then David, five smooth stones in a slingshot takes on this giant and you guys know the story, right? One stone right between the eyes sinks into his forehead and you can almost, as you read scripts, you can hear this giant thud of Goliath hitting the ground. All because David had the audacity to stand in the field with his giant taunting the whole army of the nation of Israel. And David looks at him and says, you come at me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come at you in the name of God of Israel's army. And today I'm about to cut off your head. as the story kind of draws to this conclusion and we see David, I I almost picture him like on the shoulders of the other soldiers he's being carried off the battlefield and they're chanting, David, David, he's our man if he can't do it, and they all got it." like, and David gets back and now he's, he's catapulted from this obscure position as a teenager in the field, and now he's got all this notoriety and publicity, everybody wants to be David, everybody wants to talk to David kids are putting pictures of David on their bedroom walls and asking their parents for David action figures, and like David's a hero and it's all the trumpet sounds and the fat lady is singing and everything is awesome and great as far as everybody's concerned except for Saul because the fat lady was singing but Saul didn't like their song it wasn't a fat lady it was a group of ladies and here was their song Saul kills by the thousands but David by ten thousands Bible says from that moment on, Saul kept his eye on David. You know what happened to Saul? Saul became a but me person. That's great for David, but What about me? You see, but me people tend to take every facet of life and they make it about themselves. Anybody ever known a but me person? Don't raise your hands. They might be sitting next to you. See, Here's the problem with but me people. They can't celebrate a success for anybody other than themselves. They can't hear good news. Good news to them makes them feel less about them good news for somebody else makes them feel less about themselves listen to me nothing will blind you from who jesus is quicker than a but me attitude nothing will take your eyes off of jesus who you need to run your race quicker than a but me attitude And social media, I'm all for it, So I love social media. I'm on it a lot. But social media has changed the game, hasn't it? Because now we don't have to go very far to figure out who it is that we're not adding up to. You ever thought about social media? What do we get on social media? We get, well, for, with the exception of some. I, about, I was about to make a blanket statement it just ain't true because some of y'all love to post some drama. But for the most part, for the most part, People tend to post the good moments. Pictures of kids' birthdays and anniversary trips and vacations and first day of school pictures. God help us. Um, I love your kids from a distance. Um, But we, we see everybody else's highlight reel, and then we're vastly aware of our reality. And in our reality stacked up against everybody else's highlight reel, we feel like we're just not adding up. And it's almost as if our our phones and our tablets have become the mirror of the evil queen in Snow White. And every day she would look and say, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Instead for us today, it's mirror, mirror on Facebook. And tell me how my life should look. Mirror, mirror on Instagram and tell me who I really am. And it's so easy for us to get caught up in this trap of comparison. Do you want to know why you feel so intimidated by other people's success? You want to know? I'll tell you. Here's why. Because when all you're listening to is their success, there's no way you can listen to the call of God on your life. Because it's impossible for you and I to run our race with our eyes fixed on Jesus. When we're constantly looking to the left and to the right to see where everybody else is. when you 're watching them run their race you 're missing the one that God has called you to run. I told you guys at the beginning that this is a, uh, a message that, that i 'll teach today from a from a point of weakness in my life, and this is so very true I, I think it 's rampant among the ministry of pastors altogether and we start in ministry and, we, and we, we, we we plant the church or we take a church and we begin to to, to serve and to minister and because we're pastors and a lot of other people don't really understand what it's like to be a pastor, we partner up with other pastors. And for the longest time, there were so many, and I've, I've done it myself, like I, just to be honest, I'm getting in a room with other pastors, and I want to make myself look better and make my church look better. And So we'll, we'll, we'll fudge. We call it pastor math. Um, we'll fudge the numbers a little bit. You know, we have 220 people in church. Well, we had about 300. You know, th- that kind of thing, right? It's just guilty. Done it. You know why we do that? It's because we're comparing ourselves. We're trying to stack up. We're trying to add up. We're trying to make ourselves feel better by making somebody else feel worse. Pastors. And then it gets even worse because this, this, this mega church movement started all across you know, the nation and even the globe. And there are all these big name pastors, Andy Stanley and Rick Warren and Craig Groeschel and Perry Noble and Stephen Furtick. And there's all these, these other pastors. And I was, you know, I'm trying to, to do my work here in our awesome little city of Kannapolis. And I'm trying to do my ministry. And we got, like, I'm excited that we had 150 in service that day. And I'm, I'm pumped up. And then, I you know, I get on Twitter it's so, like, hey, we baptized 172 today at Elevation Church. And I'm like, they baptized more than we had in service. And all of a sudden, that's the celebration of, you know, of an attendance mark for us. And why it was even a mark, that's another story. But, and in that moment, I was no longer excited about our 150. Because our 150, when we had never had more than 100, seemed to pale in comparison to what somebody else was doing. Here's where I've landed. I am a terrible Stephen Furtick. I I don't do a good Andy Stanley. I've never been a really good Rick Warren. And I'm never going to make it to the status of Perry Noble. Let me tell you what I am. I am the best Brian Duncan you have ever seen. And I love Fusion City Church. And I am so, so proud of what God is doing in our midst. It blows me away every single week. Here's what I've learned to do. I can celebrate what's going on at Elevation and New Spring and North Point and those other ones. I've lost my train of thought. Whatever. You get it. I can celebrate that, but I can also celebrate what God is doing at Fusion City Church. And I can celebrate what God is doing at Revolution Church and at Mission 217 and at First Pres and at First Baptist and at North cannapolis Baptist and Midway Method. I can celebrate those things because God doing in their midst what he wants to do in their midst is worth being celebrated. But I will also celebrate and not compare what God is doing in our midst because we are accomplishing what it is that God is calling us to to the absolute best of our ability. And as long as we stay in step with him, I'm good. We are the best Fusion City Church in Kannapolis that I'm aware of. And I'm proud of it. I'm proud of you guys. But here's what we gotta do. Here's what we gotta do. We gotta own that. We gotta own it. Because it's ours. And it's what God has called us to You can't ever get caught in the trap of comparing. So here's what I want us to do this week. Not as a church, but as individuals. I want all of us to find somebody else. And I'm going I'm to add a, a stipulation. Can't be your spouse. We know you love them. We hope you love them. But this week, I want you to find somebody else, and I want you to celebrate them for all the good that they're doing, for all that God is doing in their life, for any growth that you have seen in them, and not just one person. Pick a bunch of people. Let's turn social media around this week. Let's stop comparing and start celebrating. Can we do that? We can do that, right? Yeah, we can. Okay, but that was like a half-hearted clap. I'm not going to lie. not feeling very confident about your participation in the application of today's message just yet. So redeem that from me and prove me wrong by finding somebody. Let's do it on social media. Let's do it in person. Let's send a card. Let's write an email. Let's make a phone call. Let's do whatever we can to celebrate other people. Because when we find the ability within ourselves to celebrate other people, that is the way that we stop comparing and begin to run our race when we can celebrate the race of somebody else even if they're succeeding ahead of us. Can we do that? We can do that, right? That's pretty easy. We can do that. Good. Let me pray for us and then we're going to sing together because we believe that singing connects us to God and we're going to ask God then to change us from the inside out. For all of us that have struggled with comparison, me, some of y'all and everybody else that struggled with it, we're going to find ways this week to celebrate the other people that God has put us in relationship with. Would you pray with me? Father, it is a good day. And God, it is a day that we should not only celebrate other people, but God, we should celebrate you as well, because we believe that in relationship with you, God, we have everything that we need to accomplish the purpose in our life that you have given to us. And God, I know that there are so many times... That people come into the office or they'll send an email or a phone call. And this is the question. I don't know what God wants me to do. And we've talked some, and even in this room, God, about some ways that we can discern and determine what it is that you're calling us to and what you desire from us. But God, even in the, the stillness of this moment, I would ask that you begin to reveal that to us. That you'd show us, Father, the purpose for our life. That you would reveal, God, this, this calling that you have for us. Because we know it to be specific. Specific to every follower of Jesus. So God, help us to figure out what we were made to do. and Maybe we can do what we were made to do in the environment of what we get paid to do. God, I don't know what that looks like for every one of us, but I know that there's something you want us to be involved in doing. There's something that you want us to do to take ground for your kingdom as we try to live out this idea of being your kingdom on earth. So God, help us, show us, lead us, God. We'll do the best we can to follow. God, for all those other people, all our family and friends and those that we're connected with on social media in whatever way, God, would you help us to stop comparing ourselves and start celebrating the good things that you're doing in their life, for we know that all good things come from you. God, help us, and we'll do the best that we can to follow, because we believe that everything we have is everything that we need. God, you are, you're enough for us. You've given us enough, and you've entrusted to us enough. Accomplish that which you want to accomplish, and we'll thank you, God, when those things are done. And we'll be careful to give all the glory to you, for you are worthy. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.